T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you for the last hour this evening. Don't forget to stick around, though. Coming up at 11, we've got St. Louis Rewind, which is basically the best of St. Louis talks with Ryan Recker, who used to be right here in this great, big, enormous leather radio broadcasting chair right here. That's where Ryan Recker was. Now he's on during the day with Carol Daniel, Bo Matthews on St. Louis Talks. You get to hear the best of that at 11 p.m., so you're going to want to stick around for that after this show. But I'll be here till 11 taking your calls on the topics of the day. We've been talking about vaccines. We've been talking about First Amendment issues, talking about Facebook, all kinds of things. What's on your mind? 314-436-7900. Call or text Always love to hear from folks, including Ron, who's been extremely patient holding through the break. Hey, Ron, welcome to KMOX. Yes, thank you. Uh, When those protesters first started blocking a federal highway, like Highway 40, I believe it was, isn't there some law, some federal law interfering with uh, interstate commerce? You had all these trucks going back and forth. Sure. And some of that having delivered crucial material. And I thought there's some federal law against interference with interstate commerce. There, there absolutely is. In this particular case, with regard to the Women's March in 2017, this particular person was arrested just for violating the city ordinance, which says you cannot block the city streets. Right. You, you just can't go out and block the city streets. It's, it's a danger to you. It's a danger to the drivers. It's a danger to everyone. And she was arrested for that. Those charges were dismissed, but she ultimately filed a lawsuit against the city saying the law was unconstitutional. She won at the trial level, holding that ace at an ordinance that says you can't block traffic was unconstitutional. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. It went up to the Court of Appeals. Court of Appeals saw the light and said, nope, uh, the law is fine. They reversed the lower court decision. And I think that was a, a victory for 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 peace and for civility in this city where you can't, apparently, according to some, you can't even prohibit people from blocking traffic. What do you think about that? Well, again, it, it, to me, it's interfering with uh, interstate or even interstate commerce. 
Yeah, it surely is. And that, it, there should be a federal law simply against that. Yeah. yeah, and I think there is, but she wasn't arrested on that particular law. But, Ron, you are exactly right. I appreciate you sticking around and uh, for calling in this evening. Thank All you. Right, bye. All right, take care. Uh, there's actually, there's a, it goes back, I believe it was in 1968. You're, you're, uh, I'm stretching my memory here because I was three, okay, 1968. So I don't have any personal memory of this, but from constitutional law class at law school, I think it was United States versus O'Brien. And in that case, there was a, there was a Vietnam era war, I mean, a Vietnam war era law, rather, that said you cannot burn or destroy your draft cards. So people were burning their draft cards and they were doing it to protest the Vietnam War. And that's something that the Supreme Court calls symbolic speech. And the court created, this was in 68, the court created a four-part test to determine when you can regulate symbolic speech and when symbolic speech violates the First Amendment. So four-part test, very quickly. Number one, is the law within the constitutional power of the government. So can the can the government do what they're trying to do with the law? In St. Louis, they were trying to make sure that people don't block traffic for their own safety and for the safety of others. So the answer to that is clearly yes. Number two, does the law further a substantial or important government interest? And again, the answer is yes, because it's in the interest of the city to make sure there aren't accidents and people being hit blocking the street. Number three, is the interest unrelated to the suppression of free expression? Here it is. Yeah, it doesn't even mention speech. And number four, is this regulation the least restrictive means with regard to the free speech? And again, the answer is yes. The police officer told the protester, please go to the sidewalk and you can say whatever you want. Protester said, no, I want to stand in the street. And so she was arrested. So this outcome is perfect. And I hope that these types of holdings are also applied to whether it's Michael Brown or George Floyd or any other protests where people are blocking the streets. It shouldn't be allowed to happen. Uh, Kim's been holding for a while. Hey, Kim, welcome to Camel X. Good evening, Brad. You, know, you were talking about people um, burning their draft cards. Yes. Um, I have heard that people actually burn the flag, too. I mean, um, and it was my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it the only time that you're allowed to do that is if it's, like, torn up? I mean, you can't just go pick up a flag and say, hey, you know, I'm going to burn this. Let's do it. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, your question is a very good one, Kim. And this is something uh, that I briefly mentioned last hour that I struggled with in law school because, to me, there, are, there were and still are laws that prohibit the burning of the American flag. But the Supreme Court held that if you're burning the flag in the context of a protest, then that is what's called symbolic speech. In other words, you're expressing an opinion through the act of burning the flag. And so the Supreme Court held that you that laws that prohibit the burning of the American flag cannot be enforced if the burning of the flag is done in conjunction with a political statement. So does that make sense from your perspective? Yeah, it, it, it does, because I've often wondered about that, um, because I've, I've like I said, I've heard of people doing it all the time. And I've always uh, been told that that's against the law to be burning the flag and unless it's like ripped up to the point to where it has sure. to be. Mm -hmm. Well, it isn't against the law if someone is doing it as a protest, and then at that point 
uh, any attempts to enforce the law would be stricken by the courts. Thank you for your time, and I really enjoy your show. Excellent. Glad you do, Kim. Thanks for calling in this evening. Mm -hmm. Hey, after this break, I want to talk a little bit more about this free speech issue, but in the context of Facebook and what Facebook is doing and how I think that really is an assault on our freedom of speech in this country. Uh, And and Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram and YouTube, all of these big tech social medias, Uh, uh, companies are really squelching the ability to speak in this country. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that or anything else on your mind. Phone lines are open. Text line is open. Same number. Either way, 314-436-7900 here at your service on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you till 11 p.m. this evening, followed by St. Louis Rewind with St. Louis Talks. Ryan Recker, Carol Daniel, Bo Matthews coming up at 11 o'clock, so stick around for that. In the meantime, Daryl has got some things on his mind about social media. Daryl, welcome to Camo X. Brad, thank you so much for your show and taking my call. My pleasure. I, I, I have a few things going on in my head. I'm going to do my best to try <laughs> to tie it together logistically and legally. Take your time. Um, Years ago, the baseball players, I believe, were able to successfully sue the baseball owners for collusion. Now, maybe it was a successful settlement. Maybe there was an outright victory in court. I don't remember, but it was years ago. The sticking point with me, however, in tying it into what we're talking about tonight is I believe that was a civil action. But I have a feeling the civil action is what's going to be necessary because I don't think they can, anyone can legally prove this is a monopoly. And I don't know if, you know, the, the 230 protections are going to be easily withdrawn. So my question, I guess, is, is, are, are, is do you think maybe a civil action 
saying three big, two or three big companies, Twitter, Facebook, Google via YouTube or YouTube via Google, I guess I should say, you three are colluding mm-hmm. to advance and censor and we, uh, a, a private group, a privately funded group will have no part of it. And, we'll, you know, we'll, I guess your only legal remedy at that point can be money. And I, when I when the real remedy we want is fairness on the net. So uh, I that, that's my stream of consciousness. Feel free to pick it apart and tell me what you think, and I'll hang up and listen. No, don't hang Thanks. up. Stick around with stick around oh. for a second, Daryl, okay, because okay. I want to have some more dialogue with you. Let me just briefly tell you that the the baseball antitrust exemption goes back to 1922. So uh, we're coming up on the 100-year anniversary of baseball, which, which was sued under antitrust law. And uh, there, there was created this exemption for Major League Baseball as long as they abided by certain legal guidelines and principles. And so, uh, uh, so that's why baseball, even though it truly is a monopoly, they get that exemption. Now, what you're suggesting, and you are in great company, Daryl, because— Uh, A great jurist by the name of Clarence Thomas has suggested exactly what you are hinting at. Uh, In fact, in the case that was dismissed, it was the uh, Donald Trump versus Facebook that was ultimately dismissed by the U.S. Supreme Court recently. Uh, Clarence Thomas wrote uh, a concurring opinion where he specifically stated that since tech media today has exclusive jurisdiction over most people's forms of communication and free speech, that it should be regulated like a monopoly, just like the gas company, just like the electric company. Okay, if it's a monopoly, it should be regulated. And that's what baseball is regulated. And so Clarence Thomas has suggested exactly what you were in your stream of consciousness thoughts Clarence Thomas reached that same conclusion, and I know for a fact that senators from both sides of the aisle, whether it's Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley on the right to Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren on the left, there are multiple people in the U.S. Senate right now, Daryl, who are interested in uh, uh, regulating under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act uh, to to regulate this tech media stranglehold on our freedom of speech. Okay, so I, I guess my next question is: so what what can the next step be if there if if there can be? Then will it take a private group, a privately funded group, to go after them civilly, or uh, you know, because it's because it can't really be considered a monopoly when we're talking about three separate companies, right? Well, it can be if there's if there's antitrust collusion. Okay, then you could use the racketeering racketeering laws that are designed to stop the mafia groups from working in conjunction to break the law. And I think you could use a similar type of racketeering conspiracy theory uh, to link and say that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and uh, YouTube uh, are all conspiring to keep conservatives quiet. And I think you could make that argument. In fact, that's exactly the argument that President Trump is making right now because he has filed his own civil action against social media companies for this exact same reason, where they would squelch his speech 
while allowing other speech that the that was more palatable to those on the left. And so I think President Trump's lawsuit, even though I've not been a big fan of most of the litigation that Donald Trump has has uh, instituted over the past few years, this is one where I think he's actually on the right track. And I'm going to be following that case extremely closely, and I'll be talking about it often here on Camo X. Okay, so there so there is a a criminal collusion statute and that's 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 at the federal level then? Yeah, it's called racketeering, anti-racketeering statutes that prevent organizations from conspiring to uh, keep people from exercising their rights. It's racketeering, anti-racketeering laws. That I I would love to see that case be made. That would actually give me a giggle. If that, if, even if they lose the case, making that case would be would be fun fun for me to watch. I think I'd like to see that. Well, All right, I, th- I, thanks for answering the question. You're welcome. Appreciate you calling in this evening, Daryl. Uh, much appreciated. Yeah, I've never seen the racketeering statutes used uh, in this context. I'm I'm kind of making this up as I go, but there are anti-racketeering statutes. I'd have to research it to see if they could be used in this context of of uh, creating or busting up big tech's monopoly on free speech. I don't know that we they could be done on that basis or not. I'd have to research it. But certainly that's what racketeering statutes, anti-racketeering statutes are for, is to prevent collusion in a criminal enterprise. And one could certainly argue that suppressing your right to free speech is a criminal enterprise. And doing so violates the Constitution. Now, the way that gets tricky is because the Constitution only limits government action. It doesn't limit the actions of private companies or individuals. It's designed to put a leash on the government, not put a leash on individual freedom. So I don't know that racketeering statutes could be used in a civil context like this. But it's going to take someone to be to do some what I call creative lawyering uh, to make that happen. Now, earlier uh, in the hour, we had a great call from Kim, and Kim was wondering about how do you or what what do we do with regard to laws that ban the burning of the flag, and why is that illegal? Well, uh, during the break, I looked up Texas versus Johnson. That case came out when I was actually in law school, 1989. And uh, and I remember I was in uh, a constitutional law class talking about this very case when it came out, or actually when it was being litigated, Texas versus Johnson. And in that case, Texas law specified that you are prohibited from burning the American flag, which generally speaking, I agree with. I don't think you should be able to burn the American flag. That's the symbol of our country more than anything else. And yet the Supreme Court, in retrospect, I think correctly so, found that is what's called symbolic speech. It's symbolic speech. And so if you're burning the flag for the purpose of saying, I hate this country, even though I completely disagree with you stating you hate this country to the extent you're going to burn the American flag, I have to acknowledge that that is truly symbolic speech. And if you are a a passionate advocate of the First Amendment and a passionate advocate of freedom of speech, then you have to conclude that people should be allowed to burn the flag, even though I don't like it, even though it's reprehensible, even though it churns my stomach when someone does that, it clearly is a form of speech.
symbolic speech. So, Kim, that case came out in 1989, Texas versus Robinson. If you want to look that up, you can certainly read further into how the court reached that particular conclusion. Hey, when we come back, I want to talk some more about some free speech issues. I'm going to talk about uh, Governor Parson wanting perhaps to do a vaccine lottery, which I think is a terrible idea. We'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about whether they can force you to have a vaccine, because I think that's a, a, a critically important issue because it's being advocated at the highest echelons of the federal government that they should be able to forcibly make you be vaccinated. And I just, I don't see it. And I don't think legally that we would accept that as a country. Brad Young sitting in here at your service on X. Don't go away. You know, I used to play this song when I was in a rock band, but uh, I was a drummer. But one of the requirements you have to be, have to have to play in a rock band Got to have hair. I mean, as I'm looking here at Matt Pajeski, man, you got some good hair going. You know, you could be uh, you could be playing in a rock band, my friend. Me, not so much. Uh, that, that ship has sailed uh, a long time ago. Hey, Brad Young here at your service this evening, uh, uh, talking about all kinds of things. What's on your mind? 314-436-7900. Call or text. Always, always love to hear from you. And, uh, in fact, we just got a text here during the break uh, talking about he's a conservative Catholic and uh, uh, likes the show. So appreciate you uh, texting in. Thank you very much. Keep those uh, texts and calls coming. And what's interesting is during the top of the hour, I've been wanting to talk about this for 30 minutes, uh, at the top of the hour (laughs) during the CBS News and also during Shawn Michael Lyle's news broadcast, there was a mention that Chicago— is going to be instituting a quarantine if you're from Missouri. And I just thought this was funny because last year, during right in the height of COVID, okay, I'm an attorney, and I had to go depose a doctor in Chicago. And I depose a lot of doctors. And so I go to Chicago right in the middle of COVID, called in advance. Yeah, they, they're, they're doing the deposition live, not via Zoom or WebEx. So I go to Chicago. And just to tick off the people in Chicago, my mask is bright red with the St. Louis Cardinals emblem on it. Okay, so I'm wearing this. I'm wearing it loud and proud in Chicago, telling them that I'm a Cardinals fan. So I walked into this doctor's office to take this deposition. And so the gatekeeper, you know, the person at the front, her name was probably Karen. Okay, so I walk in. And she's checking people's temperatures at the door. And so she sees me wearing this mask that's got the St. Louis Cardinals on it. And, I mean, I'm wearing a suit, okay, but I'm wearing a Cardinals mask. So I walk in and she said, uh, oh, I'm sorry, are you from Missouri? And I said, yes, I am. Why, why does that matter? And she said, oh, well, we've got a quarantine in place. And if you're from Missouri, I can't let you in here. Uh, I, I just can't. I can't let you in here unless you've been quarantined for 14 days. And I paused for a moment and I said, well, my uh, my deposition is with Dr. So-and-so. 
And if you're going to kick me out, then that means the $2,500 that I paid to Dr. So-and-so will have to be immediately refunded. In fact, I want to check right now before I leave if you're refusing to allow me to come in and depose Dr. So-and-so. And she paused for a moment and she said, oh, you're here for a deposition. Then come on in. And I thought, oh, I guess COVID doesn't affect you if you're a lawyer. I guess COVID knows that that pesky little COVID virus is so advanced that it knows if you're here for a deposition, then there'll be no transmission going on in this environment if there's a bunch of lawyers in the room. But if you're just here to see the doctor and you're from Missouri, get out and stay out. But if you're here for a deposition, my goodness, Brad, come on in. It's not a problem. So uh, I, I thought that was so funny that how the, we make up these idiotic rules that may or may not follow any science whatsoever because that was not following the science, okay? If you're going to have a rule that says we think there's a higher degree of transmission if you're from Missouri, then they shouldn't have let me in. But they, they did let me in because if not, I was wanting my 2500 bucks back to depose the doctor. And so, of course, then money talks and they said, okay, come on in. But that just shows you that all we, we love making up all these rules. I mean, look at all the rules that Sam Page made up, Dr. Sam Page made up, who's got his own hot water going on right now because he's got a little gig on the side with his uh, anesthesiology practice, which, oops, violates the St. Louis County Charter. Boy, you know, it's, un- it's inconvenient when those, uh, those rules kind of get in the way, isn't it there, Dr. Page? But he was so passionate about about instituting all of these rules, which functionally and realistically made zero difference in St. Louis County. None. There was no difference in St. Louis County from shutting down the restaurants compared to St. Charles County and even St. Louis City that didn't. It made no difference. And yet it did make a difference in the lives of hundreds or thousands of people who worked in restaurants who were suddenly unemployed. It made the difference to business owners across St. Louis County that had to close their businesses and were forcibly put out of business based upon the unilateral whim of the county executive. That's why I applaud the COVID bill that Governor Parson just signed into law last week, because part of that COVID bill means that a county executive cannot unilaterally, on his own or her own, shut down businesses in a county for more than 30 days without approval from a legislative body. God bless you, legislators in Jefferson City. Because how many, the, the, the greatest impact from the COVID shutdown in St. Louis County wasn't even from the disease. It's your classic example, classic example of the cure being worse than the disease in that instance. Now, I'm not saying that COVID wasn't serious. Obviously, hundreds of thousands of people died because of it. But the rules put into place by Dr. Sam Page in St. Louis County made no difference with regard to stopping the spread of COVID. It made all the difference in putting business owners and employees out of work throughout St. Louis County. And that, to me, is outrageous because he clearly wasn't following the science. Speaking of following, I'm kind of picking up on a couple of stories here and there, but you know, in the last hour, I talked about the uh, Texas Democrats who 
from my perspective, I thought it was incredibly ironic that they were using a type of filibuster in Texas to block Texas from enable to from passing a law. They were using a filibuster to argue against the filibuster in Washington D.C. And uh, during one of the breaks, I was uh, looking at some news, and lo and behold, our own Claire McCaskill, right here from Missouri, she lives in Clayton. She's an analyst, a legal, I mean, a political analyst on MSNBC. I applaud Claire McCaskill for having the chutzpah to go on MSNBC and to shock Nicole Wallace by actually pointing out the hypocrisy of those Democrats by using a filibuster-type maneuver to protest the filibuster. And she pointed out she pointed out the hypocrisy of doing that. Now, she didn't use, the I think, the classic example that I made up about Liam Neeson in the middle of a movie firing guns, saying you shouldn't, be fi- own, you shouldn't own guns and guns should be prohibited. Oh, by the way, I need to shoot 72 bad guys that are standing behind me. Um, it wasn't that good, okay? So, Nicole, if you want to use my material, that's fine. You may be listening. I give you permission. But uh, but she did point out the hypocrisy of that, and she even had she even had the chutzpah to say on MSNBC that this may be painful for many viewers of MSNBC to hear that if you're against the filibuster, you cannot use the filibuster to demonstrate that you're against the filibuster, and yet that is exactly what they were doing. And I applaud I applaud Claire McCaskill for uh, pointing that very thing out. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention before we uh, get to the end of the show tonight was that um, Governor Parson was asked this week, he was asked about vaccine lotteries. Have you heard of a vaccine lottery? It's where uh, if you get the vaccine at this point, they they put your name like you could win a million dollars, you could win a lottery ticket. Or in the state of Wisconsin, they have something called jabs for joints. Uh, where you agree to get vaccinated, they give you weed. And so uh, that's what they do in Washington, which now that I think about it, actually explains a lot about some of the people I know that live in Washington, but the state of Washington. So he was asked about this. Governor Parson was asked about whether we should consider a vaccine lottery in Missouri because Missouri is at less than 50% with regard to vaccination. And here's what he said. He said he's considering it. He's considering it. He said he wasn't a fan, but he said, I also want to move the needle on this state. If it helps, I want to try it. We're working on that right now. So the question becomes, is a vaccine lottery even effective? Well, the Journal of American Medical Association, that's the journal of the AMA, Journal of the American Medical Association, did a study, came out last week. And the study found that essentially the, the incentive lotteries for the vaccine do absolutely nothing, nothing to help people get vaccinated. In other words, the people that enter the lottery are ones who are going to get vaccinated anyway. It didn't encourage someone who didn't want the vaccine to get it. It accomplished nothing other than giving away more state money, giving away more state resources to folks who are doing what they should do anyway. And, you know, it kind of reminded me, does this mean we should have to pay our kids to make their beds or 
you know, if you if you're supposed to do something, if it's your responsibility to do it, do we have to pay you to do what you should otherwise do because you're a citizen of this country? Really? We should pay you to do that. I think that's outrageous, and that's why I think these lotteries don't accomplish anything. They don't accomplish anything because if you are if you think that the vaccine is going to kill you, is getting a joint from marijuana, a joint of marijuana from the state of Washington going to say make you say, oh, well, it might kill me, but hey, if you're going to give me some weed, I'll do it anyway. Or if you think the government is experimenting on you, would you, is this going to make you want to get the vaccine? Probably not. Hey, we're coming up here on a break. When we come back, we've got some folks lined up on the phone lines, 314-436-7900. Love to hear what's on your mind this evening here on At Your Service on KMOX. I saw Foreigner live in concert. I think it was 1983, 1982, 1983. And uh, uh, I had a lot of hair then. So <laughs> a lot has changed since then. Brad Young sitting in with you this evening here on KMOX at your service. Thanks for staying up late with us. And Chris, thanks for hanging on through the break. Uh, good evening. Hey, hey, Brad. How you doing? Chris, doing great. What's on your mind this evening? Yeah, I had a couple of, of thoughts. Um, on the Sam Page um, topic, uh, I think it's kind of interesting. There, there's one more aspect that kind of strikes me about him restricting the restaurants is um, that basically he also lost the county and cities a lot of money in tax revenue. Yes, he did. Uh, because people couldn't go out, you know, and, and they would have spent a lot more money. So um, just just another aspect that well he's hurting himself i'm sorry go ahead no 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 you know i i'm just agreeing with you 100 percent that not only did he lose the county in tax revenue from people who are going to restaurants and businesses uh but he was also costing the state and the federal government in unemployment benefits for people who were forcibly put out of business or out of work for no legitimate scientific reason yeah, and by the way, he was costing me my Social Security, too, because all those people weren't working to keep my Social Security coming in. So uh, I'm a little upset with him about that, too. Well, <laughs> anyway. well Chris, I got I to gotta, I gotta tell you something real quickly. Uh, years ago, my dad would call me at my law firm, and uh, he would call me up, and he would say, uh, Hey, Brad, what are you doing? And I'd say, What do you mean, what am I doing? I'm working. What are you doing? He goes, Oh, good. I'm just making sure you're working because I'm fishing. And as long as you're working and paying for my Social Security, I'm going to go catch some more bass. <laughs> Amen. I, I'm right with your dad on that. <laughs> um, um, and if I if I could on the COVID real quick, I sure. was just going to make a comment that, you know, it. I there's a there's kind of a twist there that hit me and you being an attorney. I'm curious of the perspective. Um the federal, I, I agree that the, the government should not be able to legislate or say you have to get the the vaccine. But how how then can an employer make that a condition of employment? You know how how mm-hmm. what's the difference in the authoritative whatever? Okay, to have it very simple. One guy versus the other. Yep, very simple. 
And that goes back to 1905 in the case of Jacobson versus uh, Massachusetts, Supreme Court decision from 1905, where the Supreme Court held that vaccinations are part of the state government's police power under the 10th Amendment so that the state can, in theory, control and regulate that. But I don't think it extends to the position where they could forcibly inject you with something because there's a lot of laws where people, prisoners used to be forcibly chemically castrated, and the government said, or the courts have said, that you, the government can't do that. They can't force you to take those drugs unless you've been convicted of a crime, for example, like if you're being put to death. But the employers can require it because there's no the Constitution doesn't prohibit or impact what employers can do. It only restricts the federal and state government. It doesn't restrict private companies. So that's why private companies like Facebook and uh, uh, and others like Twitter can restrict your freedom of speech, even though we have a First Amendment right to that, because they're not covered by the Constitution. Oh, so it, okay. It, and that, that, that varies by the, the thing that's going on, right? I mean, by different things. I'm, I was trying to think of some employment conditions that, that, you know, for example, the government forces the employer not to discriminate. Correct. Yet the employer can force you to do something because you're working for them. Yep. And that's, that's because. So, so pretty much because of the case you're talking about there. Or? Right. Yeah. And and that's and that is an interesting distinction. An employer can't can't discriminate against you because there's federal law that specifies that employers cannot discriminate against you. But there's no federal law that prohibits employers from requiring you to be vaccinated. Now, Congress could do that. In other words, Congress could pass a law tomorrow that says employers cannot require you to be vaccinated as a condition of employment. They could do that, just like Congress passed a law that says employers cannot discriminate on the basis of race, sex, gender, and now sexual orientation. Uh, But Congress hasn't done that. So that's why uh, employers have situations dealing with um, uh, employers can, can discriminate against you and say you must be vaccinated because there's no law that prohibits it. Does that make sense? Right. Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Very good, Chris. Appreciate you calling in this evening. Thank you. Have a good evening. Thank you, and you too. Uh, and speaking of, uh, of vaccines, and we only have just a moment here left in the show, but uh, 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 this lottery incentive that the Journal of American Medical Association looked into, they studied multiple states that were doing vaccine lotteries. And here was the conclusion. Uh, uh, it says here, our evaluations of state vaccine incentive lotteries did not find any change in the COVID-19 vaccination rates in the United States, period. So at this point, I hope, in, in fact, the, the, this, this study goes on to state one more thing. A study states that it suggests that state-based lotteries are of limited or no value in increasing the vaccine uptake. So as we're looking at expanding vaccination rates in this country, we should not be looking to we should not be looking to uh, lotteries to get that particular thing done. Hey, we're coming up here on the end of the show. I want to thank you, uh, Brad Young, been sitting in here this evening on At Your Service. Coming up in the next hour, 
We've got the uh, we've got the St. Louis Talks, St. Louis Rewind, that will cover what was discussed today on uh, St. Louis Talks with Ryan Recker, Carol Daniel, Bo Matthews. So make sure that you stick around after this break. I'll be back Thursday evening from 8 to 11, covering the news of the day, legal issues, and whatever is on your mind. Brad Young at your service here on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 